Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. means it's time for Tim with Tim. We are finishing up the book of Ephesians. We get together every day like this on Facebook or YouTube or Spotify, wherever you find podcasts or wherever you find Tim with Tim. And uh, we just go verse by verse to the Word of God. And we've been going verse by verse to the book of Ephesians. And we're finishing up Ephesians today. So uh, anyway, I'm glad you're with me. Thank you. I hope you've made this whole journey with me. Ephesians has been good and uh, I'm excited for what comes next. Um, I'm going to finish up Ephesians today. We won't have 10 with 10 tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday for the simple reason that um, I'm going to be preaching daytime revival here at, at, at the church in Woodburn, my church that I serve. Um, each day, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 10.30 till noon, the service is just going to be fantastic. I'm really excited. I wrote, finished up writing all these sermons last week, and I can't wait to preach them, and I can't wait to preach them with you. So come join us here at Woodburn every single day, the rest of the week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 10.30, for, uh, for daytime revival. Pray for real revival. Uh, it's not just the name of these meetings. We really, really want God to move in a big way. For those of us, we're going to set aside our mornings to pray and worship together. So join us for that. But right now, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 24, we're finishing up the book of Ephesians. Paul has a rather abrupt kind of shift now to the closing of the book, and he closes with this final word about the armor of God. It's just so good. Uh, it's not very often that it coordinates what I'm preaching in the pulpit and what we're doing with Tim with Tim, but I preached this passage last Sunday, day before yesterday, um, and we're talking about spiritual warfare here at, uh, at Woodburn. Let's talk about it together, having just read the passage together again. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. I love this passage so much. Paul is talking about you know this, this Christian fight, this, this stepping into the battle. And of course, he's talking about the battle for the gospel. It's our mission. The, the gospel's everything. You can talk about the Christian life in general, and of course, the devil opposes us in all ways as we try to follow Jesus. But most importantly, he opposes our mission, the mission to be witnesses for Christ uh, throughout the world. And of course, in Paul's specific case, uh, the, the importance of carrying that message to the Gentiles. So obviously the devil isn't going to let that go unopposed. Uh, all through scripture, we're told that the devil is the prince, you know, the captain of the armies of the, un, you know, unseen armies of the air, the principalities, the powers. The devil is the commander of those. Uh, so there's some sort of, uh, you know, organized uh, opposition to us, a, a military kind of demonic battalion that never stops or, or, uh, or, or sleeps, uh, never rests, and they're always coming against us. And Paul wants you to know that. In other words, as a believer, you should clothe yourselves with, with armor. Uh, in other words, every time you walk out of that, actually, you don't have to leave the house. Every time you open your eyes, you know that the devil has a target on your back and you are stepping out into that battle. Um, we talked on Sunday here at, at Woodburn about the, the armor of God. We usually make this a kid's lesson, and, which is strange because it's interesting to me how we often take sometimes the most important you know, passages and then we, we sort of turn them into a coloring page and then we therefore neglect to learn as, as grown-up Christians what the passage is saying to us. 
And what this passage is saying to us is that you are stepping into a fight, into a war every single time you engage the gospel, every time you step out and try to tell somebody about Jesus. The devil's not going to go, let that go unopposed. If you've ever tried to share the gospel with somebody, you know how he opposes, how he comes up against you. Um, it, 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 it's, it's so predictable. You know, the moment you try to tell somebody about Jesus, their phone's going to ring or somebody's going to walk up or there's going to be some sort of distraction. It just always is. Or otherwise, you know, the devil will cloud their mind with questions or confusion or cloud your mind with questions and confusion. I mean, he will get in that in any way he can to wreck the hearing and the preaching of the, the gospel. The New Testament speaks, you know, in, in nearly every place about how unbelievers are hostages to the kingdom of darkness. They are under the devil's control. He clouds their minds. He puts a veil over their minds so that they can't see and understand the gospel. So the devil knows what the priority is if we don't, and the devil's priority is always to oppose the preaching of the gospel. This is a battle for souls. The souls are worth the fight, uh, and the devil knows that he's going to hell. I mean, hell was created for the devil and his angels, but the devil on his way is going to tr try to take as many souls with him as he can, and that's the battle for souls into which we are drawn and so for that reason, you put on every piece of God's armor because the devil's going to attack you if you try to be effective at all in the fight against him. Uh, each piece of the armor here, you can imagine Paul you know, going through the, you know, the garb of a, a Roman soldier, the armament that he would wear. And Paul just sort of you know, describes each of those uh, pieces of armor in terms of an aspect of the gospel. All of these have something to do with the gospel, the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness, the feet shod with the gospel of peace, which, which, which I love, the helmet of salvation and on. Notice all of these are, are just basic elements of the gospel. It's the two uh, def uh, offensive weapons, you know, the, the, the actual weapons you take in your hand and, and do the you know, actual attack of the devil with. It's, it's the sword of the spirit of the word of God and then prayer, what I would call warfare prayer. Both of these are empowered by the spirit. The spirit empowers your witnessing. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Uh, as a kid and probably through many, many years as an adult, I've just always just sort of kind of simplistically said, oh, the word of God, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, the Bible is my sword. And and yes, that's true. But what Paul says here is actually a little more nuanced than that and, and much more significant. Uh, he uses the word uh, rhema there, which isn't so much the content of the written word, but more the spoken word. The idea here is that you engage the fight against the kingdom of darkness when you step out with the word that comes from God on your mouth. You speak the word under the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's how the gospel gets shared. Does that make sense? So it, it is the word of God, but, but at the same time, it's, it's the word of God on your mouth. You are witnessing. You are uh, trying to share the message of Jesus. It's not just you having a Bible that sits on your nightstand that you never read. You, you know, that's hardly a sword. It is the word of God in your mouth. You know, and, and that is how we fight our battles. And on top of that, the Holy Spirit will empower. It's the sword of the Spirit. When you speak God's word in that way, the Holy Spirit comes up under that and makes it effective. It will drive God's own word to its target. God's word doesn't return void. 
you know? So in every time you share the gospel, don't you think that you wasted your breath or that it did no good? You don't know what it did because we are fighting a battle that's not seen, you know? The other part of that, you know, offensive weapon is prayer. The Holy Spirit empowers your witness. The Holy Spirit also empowers your prayer. Paul says, pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. So uh, in a very real, important way, prayer is warfare. When you go to your knees, that's when you come closest to actually storming the very gates of hell. This is how we fight our battles. Does that make sense? Uh, so it's prayer. It's prayer in the spirit and then proclamation, preaching, you know, sharing the gospel, you know, the gospel coming out of your own mouth. These things are empowered by the spirit and that's how we go after the devil and that's how we fight the battle. You understand that, that that's how the war gets fought, not just fought, that's how the war gets won. Um, I, I think it's amazing. Paul goes on while you're praying, hey, pray for me, pray for boldness. He says it twice. I said, God, to give me boldness so that I can preach this. He goes back to the same language used in early Ephesians, uh, you know, that can proclaim this mystery of this salvation that brings in both Jews and Gentiles, that both Jews and Gentiles in the same plan of salvation. It's amazing. I think I said on day one that there's a, a little bit of question, not real certain about the uh, intended origin uh, of the book of Ephesians for the simple reason that the earliest manuscripts don't necessarily say in Ephesus. It's kind of it's kind of anonymous. The, the the most the most ancient manuscripts, which we assume would be closer, you know, to the what Paul actually wrote. Um, and so there's some question, and part of the question is the way Ephesians ends. So similar to Colossians. Both Colossians and Ephesians are going to be hand-delivered by Tychicus, whom Paul, um, you know, commends here. And also in Colossians, you know, they end very similarly, which makes you think maybe Paul ended them like in the same sitting. You know, if you're writing two letters, you're going to end up using some of the same words, and they're very close. But the end of Colossians mentions the letter to Laodicea that Tychicus is carrying. Hey, after you finish this letter in Colossians, he says, won't you read the letter to Laodicea? So anyway, it doesn't change the way it's read, and it doesn't change the inspiration of the book of Ephesians for me. But I still kind of wonder, is this that letter to Laodicea, you know, somehow? Uh, is, is this somehow that? Uh, but at any rate, Paul gives final greetings, commends to Caicus and offers the final benediction. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters. May God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? Uh, and that's it. That's the book of Ephesians, you all. You did good. You did good. Uh, after uh, our uh, long trek through the book of Isaiah, I think we deserved Ephesians. And, uh, and anyway, I'm excited to have read that with you. Uh, so, uh, no Tim with Tim tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, but we will pick up together on next Monday at 10 o'clock in the morning, Lord willing. So, uh, uh, anyway, I haven't, honestly, I haven't quite decided what we'll do next, so I'm sorry. I will try to get that word out by the end of the week so you all can read ahead. Uh, I, I should have I, I nailed that down before I started talking to you this morning, but at any rate, uh, I'll get the word out, and, uh, and I'll see you next Monday, Lord willing. 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. I love you guys so much. Thank you for the book of Ephesians. Thank you for reading it together with me. And uh, I hope you have a good week. I'll, I'll, I'll see you next week.